You're listening to the Super Pod Hero Cast, a Night Shift Radio production. I I watched this movie. And I, and I, it, I'll, I'll be honest with you, the first 30 seconds, I was like, you know, I watched this movie once when it came out. Maybe my memories are hazy or, you know, I will find new things to love or I, I will find something to like. You know, I, let me just let me just go into this with an open mind. Nope. Didn't help. Hated this fucking movie. Couldn't wait for it to be over. I just... I have I have a theory uh, about this movie. Okay, uh, which it, the timing might not line up a hundred percent, but I feel like this is Warren Beatty's answer to the dark and grim Batman. Yeah, you know, I want to talk about I want to talk about Batman because I don't think you can talk about. Oh, oh wait, wait, you want to talk about Batman? Yeah. Go on, I'm listening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen. Uh, well, you know what? You know what, Casey. I'm going to save it for the podcast, which I think we should do right now. Oh, hello. Hello. And welcome to the Superpot Hero Guest. Guys with beers talking about movies with capes. Episode 130. I'm Casey Ryan. And I'm Todd Panic, you see? And, and we watched Dick Tracy. <laughs> Dick Tracy. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot of that. I was like the newscasters, the, the radio announcers, like yes. were the only ones who got. You got to talk like this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, Todd. The, the, let's, let's start off by saying... Every that guy actor of the 90s oh. is in this fucking oh. film. And not just that guy, like legit actors, like legit actors, Al, but also like Al Pacino, Dustin Hoffman. Oh, I got some stuff to say about Mr. Pacino. Yeah. <laughs> just chewing the scenery up. Yes. Yeah. You know what? I'll say it now since we're James here. Khan. Um, James fucking Khan is in this movie. I have a note about James Khan. And just to show what kind of Star Trek nerd I am, I speech to text my notes while I'm watching the movie. Yeah. And I just put them where they are. Uh, and then for our shared thing, I put, you know, that I've said, I want to say something. Yeah. Uh, for, for James Kahn, it uh, auto-corrected it to K-H-A-N. Kahn! Uh, that's great. That's, that's, yeah, let's talk about Star Trek. Sure. Yeah. Why, you know, oh, yeah. finally. Oh, my God. Yeah, finally, really? It, it only took, <sighs> yeah. Oh God! And we took a hundred and thirty episodes. Revisiting this movie thirty-three years later, thirty-four years later, did not did not help. I, I will say this: Warren Beatty. Th- this is probably the most visually specific and striking movie that I think we've watched so far. Yeah, the weird thing about this movie, I totally agree with you, but the weird thing about this movie that I kept thinking, like, man, when this movie hits the mark, it fucking hits the mark. The color palette so perfect it puts you right in the mood for it but then like some of the performances like Beatty, i'm like do you know you're in a quote-unquote comic book movie ham it the fuck up a little buddy like he he direct he wrote and directed it he mm -mm, wrote he just produced and directed it he didn't write it oh i'm sorry i'm sorry you're right yep my apologies my apologies yep but like some people like some of these that guy actors that we'll get to uh, including one guy who has a very famous thing in cinema history and is also a Star Trek actor. Hmm. Oh. Bringing it full circle here. Yeah. Um, they, uh, 
they know what movie they're in. They know they're got to be in this big, huge, like besides Pacino, who's just hamming up. Like there's a lot of arch to the villains in this movie mm-hmm. that I'm like, yes, thank you. Do you but think... then even, even, um, oh, what's her name? Glenn. Oh, Place um, Tess. uh, Glenn Goodhart. No, Glenn. No, nope. Glenn. He, he, Headley, Headley. <sighs> May she rest in peace. Um, did she die? I thought Glenn Headley died. Yeah, like in oh, 2017. Oh, she did. 2017. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, while she's not doing the she's arch of the like. She's only 62. Yeah. Yeah, while she's not doing like the arch or even the, his gal Friday, mm-hmm. she's given a fucking phenomenal performance in this movie. Incredibly yeah. nuanced and wonderful. Yeah, then you not gotta, enough to save it. Not enough to save it. Wow. Okay. Look, yeah. look. I, yeah. I, I I will say before we get into this, so it's yeah. not constant Todd and Casey going back and forth about this movie's not a home run in any way, shape, or form. Sure. However, I did enjoy a lot of this movie. Okay. Let's. Well, okay. But you know what? Let's not be all. Well, let's help here. you along yeah. with Please, how much God. you hated this movie, because since we are guys with beers talking about movies with capes. What are we drinking? So I got to say, have fun to our dear friends, Carissa and Joel from Branching Out Bottle Shop here in Camillus, New York. Yeah. Because they're going on a a big trip to Tanzania. Talked about it a little bit. Um, But I got to stop in there before they closed for their vacation. And, you know, I wasn't sure where we were going with the beer. I'm just going to skip to it. So uh, our beer (laughs) is from Smoldered Society. Which mm-hmm. is a, um, I can't even. They're a so it's Smoldered Society Beer Company. They're out of Buffalo, New York. Their mission is Smoldered Society's assignment is to bring people together through an immersive brand culture fo- focused on beer, music, events, and people. Um, th- this beer is a collaboration with Unseen Creatures, which is a Florida brewery. So I- I'm actually not. Hi, Chuck. Yeah, I'm not entirely positive that Smoldered Society, they don't have a tap room. I, I'm not exactly sure what they are. Um, but we're drinking one of their beers. Um, and, the, you know, it's Dick Tracy's a character created in the 30s. Sure Very was. much kind of like the, you know, I, I think the city is not specifically ever named as Chicago, but it's clearly inspired by, like, gangland Chicago. You know, you got, I don't think uh, even in the in the uh, comic strip or in the cartoon, which I watched the shit out of. But dear kids, don't fucking look up that cartoon. <laughs> There's an incredibly racist character that was made just for the cartoon. Oh, I don't even think I'm familiar oh, it, with the cartoon. Oh, it's it's yellow. It's uh, a very, very, very racist Asian character. Oh no! Oh no! Pretty much the kid takes the place of him. He's like his his sidekick. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. Um, well, this is an era of, you know, gangsters and malls and Tommy guns. And, you know, sometimes you need like a like a, a billy club or a, or a sap, you know, to knock mm-hmm. somebody out. You know, you'd put a rock in a, in a piece of cloth or clothing. Or in this case, maybe you'd use a battery in a sock. So we are drinking... <laughs> uh, Smoldered Society, in collaboration with Unseen Creatures, we are drinking their Battery in a Sock, which is their Hazy IPA. Ooh. Yep. This is a 7% alcohol by volume, the 16-ounce craft cans. The description is Nelson... Oh, boy. Nelson... 
Well, I'm reading the can, which is different from their website. Yeah, we'll just go with the can, sure. Nelson, Sauvin, Stratacox, and Waimea set upon a base of heritage barley and flaked grains. Expect passion fruit and grapefruit on a ba- on a background of dank. So, <laughs> I love a dank beer. We've, yeah. we've been over this. We sure have. So let's... Oh, oh, smell that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, baby. This, this is, is going to be so good. This is a good one for us to be recording remotely. No one's going well, I've already, I've, I've already got the second one right here. I plan to drink both. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Wow. This is one of those beers that is almost, it looks like orange juice. It's like that opaque. But, but kids, this is not orange juice. <laughs> All right. Well, cheers, buddy. Cheers. Mm. Oh, Jesus Christ. And oh my God. Sometimes yes, the, yes, and sometimes the uh the hazy IPAs can be almost sweet. This one is not. I, I would definitely the dank is the appropriate uh Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it is really good. <clears throat> Holy cow. Sorry, Chuck. I know you're sitting there going, you're spending way too much time on an IPA. It's piss actually. This is not. This is very good, Chuck. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So um, for the next couple of weeks, uh, you won't be able to go visit our friends at Branching Out Bottle Shop because they're in Africa. But when they get back, if you've never been there, go check out Branching Out Bottle Shop. Say hi to Barley, the shop dog. You will not find a better selection of beer anywhere. Agreed. And also, like, a very um, well-deserved break for Chris and Joel. Yes, Absolutely. After the holiday season and doing the Advent PR calendar. I, have a great time. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, right. Oh, I'm looking now. This Dick Tracy cartoon, was that from like the 60s? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. Did you see him? Oh, would it be Joe Jitsu? That would be exactly who it is. Oh, my God. I didn't want to say the name, but yes, that's. Yeah. I mean, at so... least, listen, at least it's not a. At least it's not a, a name based on a slur, which you know, which I was totally prepared for. Um, well, Gogo like Gomez is a Mexican stereotype, uh, also in that. Oh God, I forgot about him. Yeah, good lord. Well, I mean, you got Hong Kong Fui, like they're, they're it's just, sure. They're, yeah, yes, R- racism, despite what some people think, um, did not end with the conclusion of the Civil War. So, who knew? Yeah, or even the civil rights movement, or electing a black president. Yeah, or even tomorrow. Like, yeah, exactly. Right, it's here. Unfortunately, yes. Oh, but uh, all right. But okay. So let's let's. I'm I'm prepared. I I, all right. I've locked. I'm locked in. I'm ready. I'm focused. I got some momos casts. Let's get those out of the way. Yeah, let's do that for the role of the kid, Mm -hmm. Macaulay Culkin. Okay. Was considered for the role, but he turned it down to do another movie. And Todd, do you know what that movie was? Uh, 1990. Uh, was this the thriller, The Good Son, or Bad, what the hell, or The, no. The Good Son was 94, I want to say. Okay. This was a little movie called Home Alone. Oh, okay. Well, good choice. Good choice, Uh Good I choice. mean, um, shit. What's his name? The kid. The kid who plays the kid. Uh, he was also in Hook. Yes, he, famous. Um, his name is Charlie Corsmo. Mm-hmm. Charlie Corsmo, and then he was in 
Can't Hardly Wait was, I think, one of his last movies. He's not dead. He just, I think he's retired. Yeah. He was in What About Bob? He was mm-hmm. in Can't Hardly Wait. You're right. Oh, yeah, I fucking love Can't Hardly Wait. Those end of summer, end of the Can't school year, uh, rager party 90s movies, give Got me it. all of them. <laughs> uh, hardly and then, Wait. Oh, yeah. Oh. I, yeah, I I understand for I understand why like why you would why this this is a coming of age movie for you. I mean both of these. Yeah, this yeah, is totally. Yeah, yeah. I I'm I'm 10 when this movie comes out. I'm sure. 9 or 10. Um yep. uh okay. Do you want the oh man that would have been super fun or do you want the depressing one? I listen. Uh, I, I'm here for the. I'm here to talk about Dick Tracy. So does it matter? Like, All right, I'll do ahead. the. I'll do the depressing one first. Mm-hmm. Sean Young, poor, poor Sean Young. How many times <laughs> has this fucking happened to her? Was originally cast as Tess Trueheart, but was fired after a few days of filming for being af- a nut job. Oh, sorry. Oh, oh no, Todd. You, I may, you may want to cut that part because it was because she wouldn't sleep. With Warren Beatty. Oh. There's another okay. actress in this movie that actually made it into this movie that that also happened with, and it is quite apparent. <laughs> uh, well, listen. You, okay, yeah. Go, go ahead. That's going to be something we have to talk about. Um, <laughs> okay, I got two two more. Yep. The uh, uh, Lips Manless, played by the wonderful late Paul Servino. Yes. Yeah, um, uh, was re- one of the most disturbing eating scenes <laughs> I remember in recent but history. Yeah. Do we have to? No. Nope. I mean, when Madonna says, "When you eat, it makes me want to throw up," I'm like, "You and everyone in the audience." This, never has she spoken truer words. Gene Hackman turned okay. down that role. Okay, because, I mean, because. And I quote, he couldn't bear being directed by Warren Beatty again after his experience in Red. Or uh, Reds. Sorry. Oh, I, you know, I've never seen Red. I, re- I remember when Reds came out. I never, never saw it. Never went back. I was, I was probably nine or ten. When did Reds come out? Uh, I'll bet 81. you I was probably nine or Okay, so I was ten 81. years old. So far yeah. too young to watch that. And then it was one of those things where, oh, much like when we were talking about the big chill. Yeah. It, I was... Too young to understand it and imprinted on me as some is like a movie that is not for me and, and for whatever reason I've never gone back to it. So what I'm hearing is double feature Reds <laughs> because I've never seen Reds, so that would be fun for me to say. Uh, I've never seen it. Would it though? I mean, I feel like we should at the end of the day watch good movies. <laughs> I feel like we watch I heard Reds movie. wasn't bad. Oh, okay. All right. I don't know. But the big chill's great. All right. So the last one. For yes. the voice of uh, for the character of Mumbles. <laughs> played Comedian. by the amazing Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> well, it was almost played by Gilbert Gottfried. Oh my God! And he <laughs> says in his men in his um, autobiography, yep. the only way our names would appear together in the same Hollywood conversation would be in the sentence, "Oh, I've seen Gilbert Gottfried's acting. He's no Dustin Hoffman." <laughs> I love that he had a sense of humor about it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But oh, what a that. different perform! Like. Dustin Hoffman, you know, troubled history of onset um, well, I'm not antics from him, too. Yeah, he's, yeah. Oh, Don't look it up, kids. It's sad. Oh. Did not know that. It's still a one. I, I put him in the category of 
of um, Richard Dreyfus. Same idea, like phenomenal, great actors. You just kind of have to know that they're kind of dipshits. Oh, really? <laughs> like, like one of the last interviews that uh, Richard Dreyfus gave was because of all this uh, uh, Hollywood wokeness. He will never have the the honor of being able to play a black person. I'm like, oh, well, Richard, did he, did he say that? Stop. Uh, he's not dead. <laughs> Dreyfus is not dead. No, I know, but he, oh, he'll never okay. be able to play it because of Oh, wokeness. I see what you're saying. Got it, got it, got it. <laughs> because, oh. Pretty much he's like, because we realize that blackface is fucking terrible, I'll never be able to put on blackface and pretend to be a black person. I get, Boy, God, I so hope there's more context to that remark. Nope. I, oh, nope. I watched the whole interview. I'm like, come on. You're right. Come right. On, Turn buddy. this around. Save Bring it. Bring it yeah. in. Yeah. Like, even uh, if he'd been, like, acknowledging that, uh, Robert Downey Jr. in blackface, like people miss the the joke there that it, they're pointing out how fucked up it is. Like, good or bad, are you know comedy is subjective. I don't have a problem with I, it in that specific movie because it is making fun of. I don't. I don't know that it is. To be honest with you. Oh no. It, oh, it totally is with with some of the jokes. Now, the whole thing about never going full R word. Yeah. I, that could have been not in the movie at all. Sure. That's the part that gets me more like, I is feel the, there's, can I, can I explore this or no? Yeah, let's explore it. So it, so I, I agree that the term has a, has a negative and, um, you know, insulting history, right. And often used as a slur mm-hmm. the way many other words that, you know, were common over the last 40, 30, 20 years that, that are not acceptable today. Totally acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. If you pull the word out of it, do you find the bit about never go full R word? Do, yeah. do you do you find that a funny bit? If you no. if you the, the <sighs> okay. I, I said on the no kit? too quick. It it, it is a Hollywood trope that if you play a person with some sort of IQ or mental deficiency, uh-huh. you're going to win all the awards because that's but, what they're he's complaining about. He but, played simple but Jack, all, but not all of them though. I mean, it's I I find that I find the insight and humor in the in noticing a subtle distinction. Who didn't win one? Well, he 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 lists um, Tom Hanks. Claire Danes, um, uh, Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. Uh, uh, No, but he he has to contrast. He has to contrast. uh, Let's see. Uh, I'm just pulling up. Yeah, sure. Uh, I know you've baited me into not wanting to talk about the movie, but I'm totally fine with that. (laughs) No, um, (laughs) Sean Penn. Okay, so so he so he gives, and and again, he's quick to point out that. he also, I think, makes a distinction that is more subtle than people who use the R slur as an insult do, right? Which is that autism is not mental retardation, right? right? And he he points out Dustin Hoffman. So I'm I'm reading from IMDb from the quotes, right? Check it out, Dustin Hoffman, Rain Man. Look, R slur. Act, R slur. Not R slur. Counted toothpicks, cheated cards. Autistic, sure. Not R slur. You know Tom Hanks, Forrest Gump, slow, yes, Arsler, maybe races on his legs. So we charmed the pants off Nixon and won in ping pong. That ain't 
Arsler, he was a goddamn war hero. You know any? Uh, you went full Arsler, man. Never go full. Okay, okay. So it's only one distinction. You, uh, never go full Arsler. You don't buy that? Ask Sean Penn, two thousand one. I am Sam. Remember, went full Arsler. Went home empty-handed. I, oh, I, okay. So I I find it so so I can I can understand the uncomfort around the word. I find that bit funny. And the observation is it's hard because it reminds me of John Cleese said, you know, and, and at the time that he said this, I agreed. I don't agree now. Okay. But he was like, and I, I guess I, I was at his defense because of how much I love Monty Python and it was sure. making, it was originally um, uh, a joke about Irish people. So, you know, I'm allowed to, because I am 53% Irish. I, uh-huh. And the rest is Scottish and Welsh and, and a little English in there. We don't talk about right. it. That was from all the prima nocte. <laughs> well, that and I've also got um, uh, Scandinavian because the Vikings became the Celts. So sure. You, yeah. yeah. You do your history. So, yep. yeah, it's all just the same fucking bloodline <laughs> <laughs> with a little royal uh, shoved in there using the word I wanted to. <laughs> you you um, said what you said. Yep. Yep. Uh, so. He talks about how, you know, you used to be able to be like, have you heard the one about the Irish person and then tell a joke about how the Irish are drunks? Mm-hmm. And he's like, now you can't be like, have you heard the joke about this? You have to be like, have you heard the joke about the stupid person? And the punchline is ruined because you've already said that they are stupid. I'm like, yeah, but should we be making those jokes in the first? Like, there's a lot of stuff in Tropic Thunder that's really questionable, and I think it made it was made at a time where we turned a blind eye. And it has been probably over a decade since I've seen that movie, so I'm wondering if I sat down with it in 2024, I would have the same like defense of Robert Downey Jr. making the social commentary about blackface. Um, yeah, and again, I don't think I don't think he's making a commentary on it. I think that's, I think that is a specific fictional actor, right? I I think if anything, he's making fun of, I, I think he's making fun of his profession of the actors that are so method, to, yeah, that, yeah, that that are that treat what they do as you know more important than science or medicine or right like as almost a sa- as acting as a sacred thing i think he's making fun of that to be honest with you i mean definitely if you remember the line like when they all realize that they are actually in a, a war zone and not in a movie <laughs> right. i'm That's like right. why are you still pretending and he, and he says and i will not be doing the accent but he yeah. says everyone knows i don't uh break character till i cut the dvd commentary <laughs> Have you listened to the DVD commentary? Because he does it as that character. And as the credits are rolling and everyone's like, I've been Ben Stiller. I've been this person, this person. He, once again, what is his character's name? Uh, Kirk Lazarus. No, no. The, oh, the, oh, um, oh uh, Sergeant. Uh, it's a really. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, not Obadiah. Uh, Something like that. Uh, oh, si- um, Kirk Lazarus playing. Uh, hold on, hold on. Uh, Lazarus as uh, Lincoln Osiris. Lincoln, Lincoln Osiris. Os- so he says, uh, I've been Lincoln Osiris. And then he goes, and I've been Kurt Lazarus. And then he goes, and I've been Robert Downey Jr. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, you know, what, what else are you going to do? Like, 
everything else around it might be questionable, but the fact that he does the DVD commentary as his character playing another character and then comes out of it by the end, it's in my top 10. I used to be super obsessed with DVD commentary. Yeah, I, I fucking I, I couldn't loved tell you the last it. time I listened to one. Maybe yeah, it's, it's been a hot minute. You, you know why we don't need to? Because I think, I think what we were looking for, we now get thanks to the internet, right? Mm-hmm. And thanks sure. to, you know, smartless and actors that have podcasts. And Podcast, yes, yes, it, audience, it's us. You're yeah, welcome. We, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? Oh, no, we can't. We, no, please, that's please not don't. In the public please. Domain. I have to listen to that song so much it's <laughs> at work. We got one kid who is obsessed with Moana, and got I hear it. that a, and Shiny. That's a great song. <sighs> Shiny's a great song, too. <laughs> uh, so hasn't always been this bland. Okay, anyways. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. I can do the accent and everything. Um, so my favorite, real quick, and then yes. we'll get back into the movie. My favorite, I'll end with something funny. We may have talked about this before. The Fight Club um, DVD commentary? Uh, no. When they are, there's a ton in there. A dear TSPC army, including Todd. Oh, go listen to it. I think you had yes. Uh, it, Brad Pitt is stoned through the whole thing, right? That too. But they're talking about the scene where they're shooting golf clubs. Yeah, or shoot, or shooting golf, golf balls. balls. Yeah, yeah. And the the clang that you hear when the hit is the catering truck, <laughs> and apparently the guy was very mad about it, and they're all having a good laugh about it, and at the end, it's one of my favorite moments, they're all laughing, and uh, Brad Pitt in his very Brad Pitt way is like, Man, I believe we were uh, slightly slosh when we shot this scene, yeah. and they're all laughing, and Fincher goes, wait, are you guys serious? <laughs> like, dude, we can't have that on recording. Sure, sure, You'll sure. never be hired by the studio again. Uh, listen, Brad Pitt can do what he wants, right? Brad Pitt and Ed Norton, well, not Marvel. Marvel won't hire. Uh, yeah, not, not. See, yeah. the difference is Brad, get, Brad Pitt gets away with so much, probably because he seems, in every interview I've seen with him, he's just the coolest dude. Right. And he's not like trying to be. He's just, he's got that mix of Missouri. Missouri? Kentucky? Where's he from? Uh, Missouri. Missouri. I feel like Missouri sounds right. But that Missouri charm and like aloofness to Oklahoma. life. Oklahoma. Oklahoma. At least he was born in Oklahoma. O-K-L-A-H-O-M-A. Oklahoma. Oklahoma. <laughs> but he's got that mixed with permastone of a guy who's been smoking pot <laughs> since the early 90s, probably. Maybe sooner. Yep. That he just is just like, hey, man, everything's cool. Meanwhile, Ed Norton, you know locks directors out of yeah. uh, editing bays to make right. the movie the way he wants. And that kind of gets him, oh, hey, I don't know, banned from big movies. Yep. Uh, and just for, to be pedantic and to save a uh, reshooter reaction, uh, Brad Pitt was born in Shawnee, Oklahoma, but then uh, his family moved to and he grew up in Springfield, Missouri. So well, Missouri. Well done. Yeah, well done. Missouri. All I believe right. it's pronounced Missouri. Missouri. Right. A lot of talent comes out of Missouri. Yeah. John Hamm. All right. John Hamm. Hey, before we uh, continue this longest of tangents, um, (laughs) let's talk banana stand. It's time to talk about (laughs) Dick Tracy. Yeah. Uh, All right. Um, So a couple things in production. So you point out, uh, you're right, Warren Beatty produces and directs this. And I got to be honest with you, I, I think the level of talent you get in this movie I mean, so this is 1990. I'm assuming that we get this talent because it's Warren Beatty who 
you know, is one of, you know, Hollywood royalty, basically, right? Um, mm hmm. Um, I, I got to assume that's the only way he gets all of these people. The, but should he be? Well, I mean, Let's, listen, we'll get into that when we when we make the movie. He has longevity, right? Like, I mean, in terms of you know, he's been there and he's been a you know leading man sex symbol, right, for decades. Um, and and may I say, but why? <laughs> that's right. That's it, right. Is it just me? Am I missing what his sex appeal is? Well, I think neither of us are 60-year-old women, so I... You know, I thought I, you were going to say neither of us are attracted to men, and I'm like, this is true, but I can tell, like... Yeah, when, oh, no, yeah, when, no, I can acknowledge it. I can acknowledge a sexy man, right? I just don't see it in him. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, listen, I mean, so born in 37, so he's 86, right? Um, and retired, is he not? Um, is he retired? I think he quietly Probably. retired more more than like um, Gene Hackman, who like yeah. publicly was like, "I'm done," and has stuck to his guns. People have tried to get him out of retirement a shit ton, and yeah. I, I mean, look, he's got to have more money than anybody, right? Um, and if he doesn't want to work, I mean, he's certainly earned the right to say no to shit. And who's um, his sister? Uh, Shirley McLean. Shirley McLean. Who I. Watch Shirley MacLaine ten times before I'd, I'd watch him. Um, yeah, but, yeah, I like her a lot. So I have two theories about the talent in this movie. My my first theory and, and strongest contender is it's got to just be that Warren Beatty is producing and directing and starring in this movie, mm -hmm. and so people do, are doing it for that. The I think there's another potential theory, and it, it might not be exclusively one or the other. It could be both. Okay, this also comes out in 1990, the year after. Um, uh, Batman, right? The Michael Keaton um, that explodes, Batman yeah, that explodes. And I wonder if people see this as, you, you know, it, Batman, the '89 Batman is a rejuvenation of the genre, which we'd ha we'd had a high point, you know, with the first Superman movie, really, sure. right? And, and a then, low point with the last Superman movie. And a la low point with the last superhero movie. Um, Howard the Duck, right, says there's nothing good in the in the Marvel comic sphere. But then Batman makes people rethink it. So I wonder yeah. if, if some of that is this reaction like, oh, maybe this is a, you know, this movie is going to be a smashing success. It'll be a billion dollar movie. We, you know, we should totally jump at it. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. That's my theory. I don't know either, man. Um, so maybe uh, my, my theory is yeah, it almost feels like, and we kind of, I kind of mentioned it in the cold open and I'll, delve more into it because we're mm. talking about Batman and Dick Tracy right now. I feel like the writers, the directors, part of the production team wanted an answer to, no, this is what a comic movie should look like. But then somebody got involved and was like, we'll make it more like Batman because there's a lot of the scenes, like all the rooftop scenes could have been plucked right before Dick Tracy shows up in his yeah. yellow hat and um, trench coat could have been right out of fucking Batman. Like, mm -hmm. Well, uh, and, let's, and having Danny Elfman do the music, y yes, right. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, let's. I I had that as a note in the in in the in the movie, but we could talk about it now. Okay. So, Dick Tracy is is a comic strip character created in 1931. Mm -hmm. um, it'll be eight years later when Batman is first appears, right? In May of 39. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I think the reason that Dick Tracy is in the helmet is because he is really a proto-superhero. You yeah. know, even earlier of a creation, even less closer to what we think of as a superhero than, for example, the Shadow or the Phantom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you know, I think we have to acknowledge him as a proto-superhero, certainly a comic strip character. Um, but there's so much common ground between Dick Tracy and Batman that, you know, I, I don't think you can ignore that. The whole, you know, grim, gritty city really ruled by the underworld, but for the efforts of this kind of lone defender, you know, mm-hmm. his detective skills, his gadgets, you know, superheroes didn't really exist at the time that Dick Tracy does. And sure. I, you know, so where we see the similarities to, you know, either the 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 first Batman, the 89 Batman, um, or even just the character as a whole, I think, it, you know, it, that's the reason why this movie's in the helmet. Even though I don't like this movie, I don't think this is a great movie. Um but I acknowledge to get to Captain America in the MCU today, I acknowledge mm-hmm. that the roots are way back in 31 with Dick Tracy. Yeah. And I mean, just going back to the gadgets, you know, yeah. Batman comes out the year before. I'm so glad there wasn't any kind of like punch up to this movie of giving Dick Tracy more gadgets than the grappling his, hook gun or the. Yeah. yeah. Like the fact that he only has his his watch. Yep. Which. By the way, is a a very sexy watch. I like that watch a lot. <laughs> yeah. I I probably wouldn't wear that watch, but uh-huh. uh, I, I like it. I'm like, oh, that's I forgot how like. There are only a few times in cinema history that I've been like, I want that watch. That the Men in Black watch. Do you remember that? Like the triangle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh boy, that was pretty. So basically, your rocket, but for watches instead of prosthetics. Oh, I'm getting that watch. <laughs> um, this is just for you, but. Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> it's quite a selection of Batman watches you have there, Casey. <laughs> well, Elliot gave me two of them, so of course oh, I've held them. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, that's sweet. That's yeah. sweet. And now I just wear a smartwatch, so they all sit in a case. They sit in a case. Right? And my, you know, my smart smartwatch face is a 23rd century L cars. That's right. That's a Star Trek reference. Of course it is. Okay. All right. Um, so we talked about Warren Beatty, the director and producer. Um, Three people get writing credits. The first is Chester Gold, who's actually the um, creator of the character. So he gets that kind of you know legacy credit. People that actually wrote the screenplay, two guys uh, that are often writing partners that have written some stuff that I definitely have watched and enjoyed. So Jim Castle and Jack Epps Jr. Um, so some of the movies that they wrote together, uh, Top Gun. Legal Eagles, The Secret of My Success, oh, yeah. Turner and Hooch. Oh, why do we got to talk about Turner and Hooch? And then, you know, a bunch of movies, Anaconda, I, The Flintstones in Viva, Rock Vegas, Anaconda. Oh, no, not the, even, the, the, uh, not even like the, yeah, not even so, like the decent Flintstones movie. No, exactly. The one that exactly. John Goodman was like, no, thank exactly. you. I won't be but, doing this. But Top Gun, Legal Eagles, The Secret of My Success, and Turner and Hooch, those are... 1980s hits and they're all yeah, also do, they're stop all talk, one year after another 86 stop, 86 87 89 stop talking about turner hooch the movie makes yeah. you cry it's a great movie oh stop it it is and i it's a great movie that i have locked I, i've taken this from josh uh, co-host of uh fourth pillar play um i've locked that in my nostalgia vault because <laughs> frankly i don't want to see the end of that movie ever again oh but it's so sweet when we recognize that it's like Baby Groot. 
Groot, Groot lives on. No? Not that part of it. That's cute with the little... Oh. Yeah, I wanted one of those dogs when I was a kid. The Bijan, yeah. not Bijan. <laughs> no. Or, uh, what the fuck are they? Uh, hooch. Whatever Hooch is. I can't think of... Hang on. The dog is Hooch. Hooch, hooch. is... Oh, a dog de Bordeaux. Oh, yeah. He's a good boy. He's yeah, so beautiful. I, I'll tell you this. Uh, my <laughs> grand dogs, Giuseppe and Francesco, <laughs> Christian and Lillian's dog, they produce an amount of like drool and slobber like Hooch does. It's really ridiculous. It's well, really ridiculous. Would you like to know that all of the slobber from Hooch in the movie is fake? Oh, I would assume. I would have assumed. Yeah. I yeah. hope so because it gets all over Tom Hanks. I'd be like, sorry, what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. And then finally, in terms of production, the money you referenced. Mm-hmm. So uh, this movie has a budget, 1990 release, uh, $46 million, does $162 million at the box office. Which is if so weird. Like, why didn't we get a sequel? Uh, well, yeah. I mean. It um, wasn't it, panned by the critics. It did. It did good numbers. It, it did okay. So if you translate those numbers to today, um, you have to multiply. So nineteen ninety dollars to twenty twenty four, multiply by two point three. So the budget becomes one hundred and six million, and it does three hundred and seventy three million at the box office. And that's an interesting question you ask. If you go to the Wikipedia page for Dick Tracy, the nineteen ninety film, it says it right here in the release. And I'm reading directly. Oh, from okay. The Wikipedia Great. page. Um, although Disney was impressed by the opening weekend gross, studio management was expecting the film's total earnings to match Batman. Prior Uh, to its overseas release and other revenue streams, the film was estimated to have generated a $57 million deficit for Disney. The studio chairman, Jeffrey Katzenberg, expressed disappointment in a studio memo that noted that Dick Tracy had cost about $100 million total to produce, market, and promote. Okay. He made demands okay. on our time, talent, treasury. Yeah. So, um, you know. So if money and. In the comparison, right? And if you're expecting. Yeah, Batman, yeah. If you're expecting to make. So what did the Batman movie ultimately. And this will be inflated because of, you know, decades. I of, thought before inflation, it was close to 400. Uh, 411. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes. So a budget of 48 million and a box office of 411 million. Um, so Uff. eight times, you know, if you don't include the marketing uh, promotion stuff, which is pure... weird because I imagine, you know, this back when Warner Brothers actually did this, they spent a pretty penny. I mean, there were Batman toys, there, you know, glasses at, at fucking, uh, or was that all Batman returns? Uh, oh, that might've all no, been Batman returns. That, there was definitely merchandising. So that's the year I graduated high school. My buddy, uh, uh, Ed, Edgardo, um, who I've talked about, who's who, the, who stayed in the arts and uh, is the creator of La Borinquena, uh, Puerto Rican superheroine. Oh, cool! Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, <laughs> the uh, in fact, if I remember right, the Batman movie came out the night before we walked at the Onondaga uh, County Civic Center for our graduation ceremony. And, yeah, it was um, a June release, so yeah, yeah, that would totally make sense. Edgardo, um, <laughs> he painted. He's a very, he is a very talented artist. He painted a white Batman symbol on the black, um, yeah, uh, hat, and uh, the school officials made him take it off. And if I remember right, 
female female graduates of Fowler wore red caps and gowns, and the men wore black. Um, our our head principal was a female, so she was in red. The vice principal, a man, was in black, so he doesn't have a cap on in the ceremony because they took Edgardo's away and made him wear Mr. Spatafor. That can't be right. Um, made him wear the vice principal's uh, cap. That <laughs> might be right. Yeah, yeah. Spatafor. What? Well, because yeah, so, I'm just thinking of the, not, a Spatafor that we know. Yeah, no relation to. Oh, no relation well, then to I'll shut up and please cut that. Yeah, I don't know. That's fine. So, uh, anyways. Um, yeah, so if you're so there was definitely, I mean, I remember the hype for that. I mean, it was definitely yeah. hyped and marketed. Now, none of that merchandising would be reflected in the numbers that we see when we're talking about the movies, because that would be just box office and other revenue streams of the movie specifically. Oh, you know what? I, I just realized, yes, there obviously was money made in marketing and in toys and whatnot, because that's where Nicholson made that half a million yes, a billion dollar a profit. Of, sure, sure, sure. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, I remember when this came out, the, again, the next summer, I remember that it was certainly hyped like it was going to be Batman. That was certainly mm-hmm. how they were presenting it. And I remember them trying to like promote merchandising around it, but it it never had the cool appeal. Like you didn't see anybody wearing like that primary color yellow trench coats or hats, right? Like No. You know, the weirdly it when he when he's holding it, it feels weird. But as soon as Warren Beatty puts that on, I'm like, yeah, he's Dick Tracy. What are we gonna do? Yeah, I, it's I mean, so weird. Like when it's hanging up in like in the diner, I'm like, boy, that just fucking looks out of place. He puts it on, I'm like, oh, it's Dick Tracy. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that is that is the best part about this movie is the the cinematography and the visuals. That, sure, you know, a plus. Beyond that. There's nothing interesting for me. Okay. I I disagree, but we'll get into that. Yeah. Um, My last thing before I say, let's roll that film. I would just like to say, (coughs) why is this movie PG? And with that, let's roll that film. Great question. Thanks. You know, we talked about a little bit, you know, again, I think the look of this movie right from the start, um, really kind of points us back to the comic strip, not even comic book, comic strip origins of the character. We talked about the colors. A subtle nod, the Touchstone logo is in black and white. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, yeah. And to the point where I'm like, oh, is this going to start in black and white? And then like, because I remember the opening shot is his badge and his his watch next to the radio and all that. I'm like, oh, does this start in black and white? And like slowly become color? No, it was just. Just the logo. Okay. Yeah. Weird. So actually, I want to quote the cinematographer, Vittorio Storaro. And again, this is Warren Beatty gets whoever he wants when he makes the call, right? So he was the cinematographer for Last Tango in Paris, Apocalypse Now, Reds, The Last Emperor. Um, so certainly, you know, a man with expertise and credits. Um, on the Wikip- Wikipedia page for this film, he is quoted, One of the elements is that the story is usually told in vignette. So what we tried to do is never move the camera at all. Never. Mm-hmm. Try to make everything work into the frame. For the matte paintings, Ellen Shaw and Lloyd executed over 57 paintings on glass, which were then optically combined with the live action. Mm-hmm. For a brief sequence in which the kid dashes in front of a speeding locomotive, only 150 feet of real track was laid. The train was a two-foot scale model and the surrounding train yard a matte painting. The f- also... I thought this oh. was interesting. The film was one of the last major studio blockbusters. Uh, 
easy on that word, to have no computer-generated imagery. That was interesting. Yeah, I mean, the, the effects, for the most part, hold up for, you know, you got to think of the budget, the time. The only two times that I went, whoa, Jesus, was when the kid runs in front of the train. I was yep. like, oh, that kid's nowhere near that fucking train. Yeah. <laughs> and it's <laughs> and only two feet end, long. <laughs> when they're on the drawbridge and Dick comes out of the drawbridge, like, storage place and Tess turns around. I was like, she's not anywhere. She's in front of a giant blue screen. Yeah. What the fuck? It's so bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what Matt, that's what Matt uh, backgrounds are, right? Like, you paint it on the glass and you can combine the two images, the live action with the... Yeah, but it's been done. I mean, Star Wars, uh, Return of the Jedi did it better. Sure. Although stormtroopers sure. aren't actually there when the Emperor's getting onto the Death Star 2. Sure, They're all sure, little... Sure little paintings and it, I didn't know until I saw it some the a frame of it being painted I was like holy shit that's great <laughs> yeah yeah we were talking about batman earlier as well um as we always should be as we always should be you could absolutely drop the batmobile like from the animated series like into those opening the opening visuals there it's it's that exact same look and feel sure it and it helps that Danny Elfman's doing the music for this sure Sure. Which he is quoted as saying uh, his time on this movie was not fun because, and I quote, Warren Beatty is fucking nuts. (laughs) (laughs) And if Oingo Boingo, lead man, Danny Elfman says you are fucking nuts, time to get yourself to a therapist. (laughs) Got it. All right. So in 1938, at an illegal Mm -hmm. card game, a 10-year-old street urchin witnesses the massacre of a group of mobsters at the hands of Flattop and Itchy. (laughs) <laughs> Two of the hoods on the payroll of Alphonse Big Boy Caprice. Big Boy's crime syndicate is aggressively taking over small businesses in the city. Detective Dick Tracy catches the urchin, who calls himself Kid, in an act of petty theft. Now, fun fact, did oh. you know that the character of the Kid is actually the grandfather of Brad Pitt's character in Ocean's Eleven? All right. <laughs> but but as an adult, he just it, eats whatever exactly he wants. Right. Well, he's a grown man. As a kid, you have to ask. It's funny you say that. I am currently, because they're all on Peacock, I am watching all the old Oceans. Oh, movies. sure. Not old. I mean, well, the second one is 20 years old. So, yeah, I guess old. Um, man, what a, what a ride those movies are. That first one is a perfect movie. Oh, yes, 100%. But Rusty only eats when they're not on a job, and he's constantly eating then because once the job starts, he never knows when he's going to eat again. What? That's what Brad Pitt himself has said. I thought... I think Brad Pitt just likes to eat. That's what I think. And, and I'm trying to remember, you would probably know this better than me. I feel like I've heard an actor talk about one time about, like, it's a it's a great idea to always be eating. Is that because... You don't have to do react. Is it? Does it somehow make the job easier if if it's not your shot? If they're just if they're just getting your reactions and stuff. I don't. I I feel like I I've heard that somewhere and I can't remember exactly what it is. So I've always heard the opposite. Don't actually eat if you're eating in a scene because two things will happen. You will get very sick because you got to figure you're shooting it. What the fuck? Did you get a little bubble? I did. Little thumbs up, yeah. Yeah. What is happening? Uh is that like a Google Meet smart AI or something? Wait. 
Is he going to do something? Nope. Okay. okay. Uh, that was bizarre. I flipped, you. I, I flipped off Todd, yeah. everybody. You don't want to eat because there's that or there's spit buckets. Sure. Um, I, I actually know, thanks to the office ladies, that Rain Wilson loved to eat in scenes and would eat incessantly. <laughs> <laughs> like, if he had to eat, like... I don't know at the at dinner party when they're when he's housing the food mm-hmm. that's in front of him. You mean he really the, would just isn't house that the, food the food that he brought? He brings Dwight brings his own yep. food, right? <laughs> yep, yep. He ate that every take, and I'm just like, that's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if that pays off. Didn't he bring ribs? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it wasn't even like, yeah, right. So he's eating. Oh yeah, and it would always be something gross and like, yeah, I, yeah. Um, <sighs> eating in scenes is always. Tricky. Now I haven't done film right. that much yeah. film. I did have to eat in the one film that we are both in. Um, oh, sure, I had to eat a taco, but it was like a close up. I said my line, bit into the taco, and I think I only had to do two takes. Yep. Um, so I just, I'm just that good. No, we just didn't have any more tacos to eat, and it was a real taco. It was from Taco Bell, and it was disgusting. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, maybe, and uh, and of course, I'm doing a quick Google, and and more people are, there are more things referencing spit buckets, and exactly that, like, if you've got to do 20 takes. Yeah. yeah, like I think about the kid in this, like how he is constantly shoving food in his mouth. I'm like, I hope that kid spit into a bucket, because <laughs> <laughs> my God, that's a lot of food he's taking in. On this, he catches the kid running away. Yep, and this is the beginning of the large amount of endless ADR in this movie. <laughs> Endless and pointless. Come on, kid. You're making a mistake. It's only a watch. You don't want to get yourself in this kind of trouble. Can a scene just happen? <laughs> Can we not have dialogue at all times? Uh, apparently not. And it's all the way to the end. It's all the way to the end. When they're when the car's driving away, the kid's like, come on, Tracy, step on it. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. I'm like, oh, God. Shut the fuck up and just let the scene happen. You know, I just want to point out, I was looking at some stuff as you were talking about that. So once again, I was telling a story and you weren't paying attention. Well, no, I was trying to see if I could (laughs) add to it, but I I stumbled upon. So this movie gets nominated for five Oscars, including a nomination for Al Pacino for Best Actor in a Supporting Role. It wins, uh, actually it wins... Makeup? uh, No, it wins... um, uh, best art direction set decoration, sure. which totally, totally yeah. fair. Yeah. Also nominated yeah. Vittorio Storaro for best cinematography, uh, Melina Cananero for best costume design and best sound, um, not soundtrack. Looking at you, Madonna. Well, looking at you, Danny Elfman. Oh, one of two other ones. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, and, it, and it won. T- yeah. Um, J- so John Caglione so- Jr. and Doug Drexler won for best makeup. Uh-huh. And Stephen Sondheim, the man who hates. Uh, melodies. Stop it. He is an EGOT yeah. winner. You leave him yeah, alone. He wins for best music original song for Sooner or Later. Yeah. God, that sucks so good. When not sung by Madonna, because it has been used in a Stephen Sondheim review, along with a lot of the other songs in this in this uh, movie, to the point where I was like, shit, like, almost, the only one that's not in this uh, musical review called Putting It Together is the one that uh, Mandy Patinkin and Madonna sing. Um, Madonna sing at the piano. Sooner or later, more Live Alone and Like It, uh, Back in Business. All four of the other original Sondheim songs are all in putting it together. Huh. And do you know who sings Live Alone and Like It? I do not. Oh, that would be the Velvet Fog himself. Mel Torme? Mel, to- 
Yeah, fucking yeah, it is. Because uh, he started singing. I'm like, live alone like it. I know that voice. Did I look that up? Yeah, Mel. Was Mandy Patinkin under a shit ton of makeup as 88 Keys? Is that his name? Uh, 88 Keys, because that's how many keys are on a piano. He wasn't it. Oh, he was in Evita on Broadway, right? He was not in the yeah, movie, he, right? It was it was on it was Antonio Banderas. Antonio Banderas. Uh with with Madonna. <laughs> right. Which Madonna is not an unattractive person in this time period. But as soon as she starts trying to deliver lines, I'm like, oh so please stop talking. So I <laughs> and I don't not mean that in the women should not yeah, just be objects. Yeah, yeah. I've want to be very clear it's just madonna you are no actor well if you're gonna watch this movie i almost feel like the companion watch you have to watch madonna truth or dare the black um all black and white the black and white documentary she did at the same time uh or it was the right before oh, wait, this, was she dating warren Beatty? At she this was time? dating warren Beatty. he's in it and the scenes with yeah. them are so uncomfortable at one point there's a there's a scene in this movie what when t- when uh Breathless goes to um his apartment and they kiss before they kiss the look on Warren Beatty's face I'm like you guys just had a huge fucking fight didn't you cuz it is not love in his eyes Well so have have you ever seen Truth or Dare? It no. came out so it comes out the year after this 91 so this is and I sure. this is lining up on my memories now. So this was a documentary filmed during her 1990 Blonde Ambition World Tour. So she sure, films sure, sure. Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy comes out. She does her tour that year, 1990. Mm-hmm. And the following year, they release this documentary. I mean, it's, you know, it's, uh, I mean, let's see. MTV's The Real World was already out at this point. But it's like proto-reality um, TV, right? Um, sure. And the scenes with her and Warren Beatty are just ridiculous. And you see him, like, at one point. So at one point on the tour, apparently, she starts to develop vocal problems. And she has to go to a doctor to, you know, and it's she's in the middle of her tour. I'm reading from the Wikipedia page for the Truth or Dare documentary. As the tour continues, Madonna throat problems worsen while Warren Beatty becomes more fed up with the cameras. During a throat examination in Madonna's hotel room, Beatty chastises her for the documentary, telling her the atmosphere is driving everyone insane. Madonna ignores him, and when she declines to have the rest of her examination done off camera, he starts laughing, saying, quote, she doesn't want to live off camera, much less talk. What point is there of existing off camera? Fuck. <laughs> it's, listen, it's like watching a train wreck. I would have watched that again over this. <laughs> and I'm now going to watch that. That sounds wonderfully horrible. That's the right way to describe it. And it so perfectly captures a moment in time. Um, she's yeah. also, oh, I forgot about this. Later on, Madonna tells Sandra Bernhardt, right, who's her friend at the time. Oh, yeah. uh, Madonna tells Sandra friend. that she's interested in meeting Antonio Banderas. At that point, he is a famous actor in Spain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is not yet broken in America, right? Because that would have been ninety one, and Desperado was ninety five. Desperado was ninety five. He does Philadelphia. 93, oh, Interview with the Vampire. Interview with the Vampire. Ninety four. Desperado ninety five. Assassins ninety five. But Desperado is really where he like exploded uh, because I mean, I mean Philadelphia. I, I, Philadelphia. He's Tom Hanks. 
partner. He's wonderful. Yeah. He's so fucking. That movie's yeah. but, so. But, underrated. but he had a you know he had a huge career in in Spain right mm-hmm. before he comes to America. And I remember her. And, and then of course five years later she'll do the Evita movie with him. I'd watch that movie so much because my roommate in college uh, who was very gay and that is not bashing that just makes sense for what I'm about to say <laughs> was absolutely obsessed with Madonna. That makes sense for what you just had said. posters yes. of Madonna, all this stuff, and he would watch that movie. Like we had traditions of Saturday nights because well, a lot of nights, but Saturday nights were definitely nights where we partied the hardest yeah. in college. Yep. And Sunday we would find a movie to put on while, while little, you were tiny, recovering. <laughs> while we while while everyone else was, I didn't realize at the time. Like I'd be like, oh yeah, I I am hungover, but then I'm just like, no, I was just tired. <laughs> Because I have the red in my beard, I don't get hungover. Oh, interesting. I've had alcohol poisoning, and that did not feel good the next day. <laughs> but other than that, I do not actually get a hangover. Okay. This is science. Don't look at me like I, that. I don't think that's science, but okay. All right. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Well, let me just hang on. Okay. I love that this is one red. of these episodes. <laughs> that this and... is one of these episodes. <laughs> but again, sometimes you and I would have conversations like this at the bar. So this is not out of, you know, this is not totally uh, out of left field. The MC1R influence, which... Yes. Redheads have piqued scientific interest due to the potential unusual reaction to numerous substances, including drugs. The MC1R gene, which causes red hair uh-huh. that I have in my beard, influences melanin production as well as the location and operation of certain receptors in the brain. This has prompted researchers to look at people with red hair that might react to pharmaceuticals different than people with normal colored hair. Oh, is that the same so, gene that makes it harder? Uh, you need more anesthesia than... and. Guess who needs more anesthesia? Got this it, fucking got guy. It. Okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's science, bitch. <laughs> okay. Well, you said you don't get hangovers. I, 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 I don't. It's, I can keep reading. It goes into it. Okay. All right. All right. Hang on. Sorry. No, it, it's I, okay. I got to no, the point where okay. in this where it's like, hey, do you have a drinking problem? Yeah. I'm like, oh, <laughs> sorry. Wait. No. Uh, no, I don't. Thank you very much. It's only a problem if I quit. <laughs> That's right. If I don't stop drinking, I never get a hangover. Aha! 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 Where's the spoon? <laughs> Move it along, guys. Uh, so the kid, uh, the detective, dis- Tracy, catches the urchin and calls himself the kid in an act of petty theft. After rescuing. I already oh, said sorry. that. sorry. Okay. Part. After rescuing him from a... Your sorry, line, my is, line is, Jeannie, okay. I wish you... <laughs> After rescuing him from a ruthless host... Host? Yeah. Tracy temporarily adopts him with the help of his girlfriend, Tess Trueheart. Were you confused about the word host? Because it's not his dad. Yeah, no, I got I, I and now I'm remembering. I assumed he was. But Stunt actor in a shit ton of makeup? Yes. Uh, who f- I feel like, who? yeah, who is that? I oh. oh, it's so inter- interesting to see so many of these actors that I know. And even under the makeup, you can kind of make out like William Forsyth as flat top, right? Like yeah. that's still William Forsyth underneath it. The, the, the guy that the kid was with, it, he looked like... Somebody I should have known who he was. Brow, little face, the rodent, the stooge. He had a specific name. Yeah. 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 Uh, going through this list, um, I was surprised. As, did you see Kathy Bates? Yeah, she's the sonographer. Yes. Yeah. 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 
in order of credits. So the rodent, the brow, that's all the people that die. Uh, how about Itchy? Did you recognize Itchy? Itchy. Uh, oh, got- yeah. Edo, the, the guy from Lethal Weapon. <laughs> You're using fucking mercenaries. Admit it. <laughs> you guys are fucking people nuts. Are loyal. Loyal to me. Mr. Joshua. You're lighter. <laughs> You're lighter. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, Steve the Tramp is named Love Tony Epper. He is not a, uh, he's not, a, he doesn't have a picture. He's, okay. he's a stunt guy. Cause he gets slapped around. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Um, yeah. now, since we're talking oh, about this, now. might as well do it now. The reporter wait with, for the, the, well, it's funny that you said that the reporter with the glasses and the orange hat. Do you know who that is? Uh, no, don't look at, look right at I'm me. Not. Ready? That's John Shuck. John Shuck is the wonderful Klingon ambassador from Star Trek IV. Remember this well. There shall be no peace as long as Kirk lives. Star Trek IV is which one? The one with the whales. Oh, the best. The... You shut your fucking mouth. I love that fucking movie. Yeah, it's great. Kidding? So you know who I'm talking about. The guy in the beginning. Uh, vaguely. It's been a while. It's been a <clears> and then he I've shows up that. in six. At, at the trial after Chancellor Gorkin oh, dies. Right. So he's he's all over the movies. But he is in MASH. And he is very important that he is in MASH because he is the first. We covered this on Where No Mom Has Gone Before. And I can say it without censoring it here. He is the first person to utter the word fuck in a major motion picture. What? Yeah. John You're Shuck, kidding. ladies and gentlemen. John Shuck. What what picture did he in Mash? Oh, in Mash. Oh, he's painless. He's the painless pole. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look yes. at his look at his known force. His four known force yes, are yeah movies we are all mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh God, I love the fucking Mash movie. That's that has been an almost contender when we when I've been picking movies outside the, sure. the genre. God, I love that fucking. Well, movie. Go, go real quick. Google uh, John Shuck Star Trek Four. Just look at the picture of him. You're gonna go, oh, that guy. I, as soon as as soon as I saw who he was, yeah, I I totally remember him now. Yeah, yep. yeah, still alive, still alive, still alive, 80, still eighty three. Yeah, yeah, total that guy actor. Total yeah. that guy actor. Oh, did uh, being of Star Trek and Mel Torme, Tracy Torme just passed away. Mel's Mel's second son and was a very big writer on Star Trek The Next Generation. No kidding. Nah, I directed a bu- I wrote a bunch of good Trek. Tracy Torme, yeah. Oh, he also wrote the film Fire in the Sky. I remember that. Oh, right, he did, didn't he? With not Ted Neely. Uh, Robert Patrick looks like Ted Neely in that movie. Oh, does he really? Circa... <laughs> Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, got it. Sure. <laughs> the sure, long sure. hair, right. like the, the scraggly yeah, goatee. I'm like, yep. and for the longest time, I thought it was Ted Neely in that movie because he's done film outside of. He's in fucking uh, Django Unchained. He is? Yeah. When Django first shows up at, is it Cotton? What the what the fuck is um, Leonardo DiCaprio's character's name? Um, Mr. Candide. Candy. When he first shows up there and... That guy walks out of the shack and looks up and is like all scared. That's Ted. Mm-hmm. Ted does the uh, the chain gang uh, song in that. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, I see. Oh, and then okay. he gets blown I, away. I totally, later. But I totally see why. I totally see why he he totally looks like Robert Patrick when Robert Patrick looks like that. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's crazy. Which might be the dumbest thing. It might be the dumbest thing I've ever said. He totally looks like Robert Patrick when Robert Patrick looks like that. I just said those words. Yep. I, I'll, I'll help you out. Robert Patrick in Fire in the Sky looks exactly like Ted Neely in Superstar. To the Thank point you. where, like, I, I did. I thought it forever, and then I rented it in college. I'm like, I oh, got yeah, Ted Neely's in this. I'm like, you're not Ted Neely. Right. <laughs> who, are, who are you, and what have you done with You're the, the Terminator. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> He's still alive, eighty years old. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's gonna. I gotta tell you, it's gonna be a sad day. He's a sweet um, man. He I've a, met him. Was he like a musician before he became, you know, Jesus Christ superstar? He was or in. Was he like a stage nope. actor? First? Uh, no. He so he had a band called Teddy Neely and the <sighs> something. Hold for one, because it's a fun name, Teddy. Ted Neely. It showed me Ted Neely. Yeah, I'm looking for Teddy. Oh, his actual real name is Teddy. Teddy Joe Ted Neely. I am hmm. learning brand new information about Mr. Neely right now. Oh, he, he was the lead singer in the Teddy Neely Five. That's what it is. The Teddy Neely Five. <laughs> Got it. And then he was in uh, Tommy. He was Tommy. Uh, but oh. he was also the understudy for the original um, actually both uh the Jesus and Judas from the movie were the understudies from the Broadway cast. Because, oh, no kidding. Because the original Judas in Jesus Christ Superstar was the wonderful Ben Vereen. Ben Vereen. And wow. if you want a treat, find that, find the Broadway album because they literally opened the show, did the opening weekend, and then fucking recorded the album. And it is very clear they are getting through it with marijuana and cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> they are so coked out of their fucking mind making that album. Jesus, you started to believe the things they say of you. You really do. Jesus Christ Superstar rock opera, which is probably why I love it. But one of the few pieces of musical theater that I own, mm -hmm. I owned the Brown album. That was the London cast with Ian right? Gillian. Uh huh. Okay, from Deep Purple, right? Yeah, and uh, pretty much almost everyone else goes on to be on Broadway. Yvonne Elman, Barry Denon, uh, Bob Bigham isn't it is the Broadway. I don't know who does who does Caiaphas on the studio recording album, the Brown album, as it's affectionately called. Uh, who else goes over from there? Some other people. I can't remember who. Uh, the guy who plays Peter in the movie went on to be a porn star. What? Like. He did Jesus Christ Superstar, and he's like, I'd rather have my dick sucked on camera. Thank you very much. <laughs> Paul Thomas. Oh, I, I mean, he did porn? <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but, but, but if, you, if you look at his, um, his IMDb, everything beyond Jesus Christ Superstar is like producing, writing, directing, starring in pornographic movies, which yeah, uh, is not... I, listen, listen it, if, if that's what your career choice is, that's what it is. It's just a weird shift from... <laughs> to be fair, though, he's from the era... He's from the era in which, you know, porn was... I don't know, like, it was this... <laughs> this is... Um, it was, I'm not going to say less seedy, but it was, there were legitimate people who, you know, had acting credentials. Like, there were people that were actors that ended up in porn. porn. And I don't mean like cameos. I mean, like some of those early, uh, let's, you know, let's just abandon. 
Never mind. Let's just abandon this. But I but I know who Nope, nope, I, stop, stop. I know who Paul Thomas is. All right. Yep. All right. That's funny. I, I snapped, so we're I'm gonna I'm gonna fix that yeah. for you. Yeah, no worries. But yeah, I, I don't care that people know I watch porn. <laughs> I don't care. But when I see this, I I'm like, oh yeah. That, I did not realize he was Peter in the movie. That's really funny. Oh, have you seen him in porn? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. Listen, if you've seen if you've seen porn from the certainly from the era when it was on film. And probably even in early video days, you've seen Paul Thomas. I mean, he was, you know, like a leading man sounds wrong, but like he was top tier male talent for that era of porn. Yeah. Plus, I had a huge, I had a huge thing for Marilyn Chambers and Nina Hartley, who are both from that era. So I'm, you know, it's yeah, yep, yep. Also, speaking of uh, <laughs> porn stars and Jesus Christ superstar in the temple scene in the movie, do you know who's in there? Mm-mm. Ron Jeremy. Of course he is. Of course he is. <laughs> yeah, it used to be funny. Now you're just like, oh, God, Ron Jeremy. Yeah, Fuck. Yeah. He's yeah, not a good right. dude. He's not a good dude. He's also in Ghostbusters. He's in Ghostbusters? Mm-hmm. Who is he? When they're going to the to uh, the building. What the fuck's the name of the building? The museum? No, the building. the library? No, no, the building at oh. the end. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The skyscraper. Yep. Yeah, whatever that's called. Um, he's a crowd member. Next time you watch it, you'll see him. You're gonna be like, "Oh fuck, it's Ron Jeremy!" Blah. Oh no, kidding! All right. Anyways, back to this movie. Um, okay. Meanwhile, Big Boy. Uh, you know, <laughs> I said it before, but I got to say it again here. A lot of people cite "Scent of a Woman" as the beginning of Al Pacino's "Whoa, you just got a great ass acting." Yeah. Yep. No, it's this movie, right? This this is three years before "Scent of a Woman." Sure. Sure. And of course, it works here because he's a comic strip character, and look at the ridiculous makeup, right? Like, but there are certain scenes, like when they're rehearsing more. I'm like, Al, sh- shut the fuck nominated up. Nominated for an Oscar, uh, and <laughs> he co- coerces club owner Lips Manless to sign the deed over to Club Ritz. He kills Lips with a cement overcoat, referred to on screen as the bath. Core memory. There's a lot of core memories from this movie for me, but not the bath. Not the bath. Yeah, it's just like as soon as he started saying it, I'm mouthing along. Not the bath, big boy. Not the bath. (laughs) You know what this movie is a lot like, and and I think this move the this I I was talking about with a friend of mine today. We are talking about uh, Dick Tracy. This movie is, I think, overshadowed by was it before or after this? Who framed Roger Rabbit? When did that come out? Uh, That comes out. I feel like after this. I think that does a better job of what this movie's trying oh, to no, do. Oh, no, I'm sorry. 88, two okay. years before this. So I think mm-hmm. Who Framed Roger Rabbit does a better job of trying to be a grounded, serious, you know, murder mystery, like yep. Who Framed Roger Rabbit is, <clears throat> with some mm-hmm. screwballness in it. I, I fucking love, I like this movie. I fucking love Who Framed Roger Rabbit. That movie, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is a masterpiece. Yeah. <laughs> Bob Hoskins, oh, God, may he rest in all the piece is yeah. phenomenal in that movie. He he's doing what Michael Caine does in The Muppet Christmas Carol, right? Mm-hmm. He takes everything around him straight serious, right? Like, and that's what makes that's the key. Muppet Christmas Carol the best rendition of a Christmas Carol. I fucking said it. Right. Come for me. I don't think. I don't think. I don't think anyone's coming and for you. While Michael right. Caine treats all the Muppets like humans in Muppet Treasure Island. Tim Curry treats himself as a Muppet. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Which also kind of makes right. Muppet That's Treasure right. Island not great. 
<laughs> Again, I said it. Come at me. All right, that one you might get some. All right, that one. Now, Casey, some, if people that, want Casey, to express their opinions to express about their opinions those provocative about statements you've made, what's the best way for them to do it? You can do it at gofuckyourself at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> or our I, alternate address. <laughs> I haven't done that in a while. Uh, it's yeah. superpodherocast at gmail.com because. Only Cap writes letters. Tony. Oh, also, I'm on Blue Sky now. Come find me if you've okay. been invited onto Blue Sky. I have not. I don't even know what that is. Okay. It's like Twitter with less racism and misogyny. Oh, great. It's what Twitter used to be, pretty much, is what it is. Got it. I really okay. like it so far. Big boy kills lips, steals his girlfriend, the seductive, sultry singer, Breathless Mahoney. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. When lips is reported missing... Tracy interrogates the three hired guns, Flap Top, Itchy, and Mumbles. I kind of love the interrogation room scene where they, he keeps jumping from interrogation room to interrogation room trying to get the answers. Like, because, like we said, like, uh, what's his name? Who plays Flat Top? Foresight? Uh, William Foresight. William Foresight. Perfect. It's a perfect version of this character. He's, he's arch, he's not too arch. He's campy. He's not too campy, but he's also like, you believe this guy's a fucking killer. Sure. He does a great job. Yeah, despite the makeup. He might be the scariest of the the henchmen. Oh, sure. Agree. Like he like he you're like, oh, you 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 kill for fun. Got it. Okay. Yep. So he interrogates them, then he goes to the club to arrest Big Boy for Lip's murder. Yeah, and that my note was about uh, Kathy Bates. I was like, hey, Kathy Bates. And this is years before we'll get misery. Not e uh, A couple of years. 94? Uh, misery was... I mean, that's definitely oh, no, I'm sorry. Put... Oh, I'm sorry. No, no. Same year, 1990. Fuck, are you serious? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a she hell done... of a year for her. Yeah, she had started, and I looked this up because I was so curious. Oh, with, with James Caan. Yeah, uh, she had done, her first credit is Straight Time, a 1978 film with Dustin Hoffman. Um, Jesus Christ. Yeah, she doesn't, I mean, she's got stuff, you know, late 70s, early 80s, mid 80s, and then 1990, she's in this, but then also Misery. Um, and then of wow, course, wow, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Small tangent. Yes. Have you ever seen The Woman? Who goes to a Barnes and Noble, dressed like Kathy Bates' character, and yes. asks if? Yes, it's I, so good. And it was so funny is when it first came out. It was that sweet spot where there weren't enough older people on these platforms, mm-hmm. and people thought it was real. And now it gets circulated, and people are like, look at this crazy person. Like that's Kathy Bates from Misery. You dipshit yeah. or you or you embryo like yeah. come on <laughs> right. know your fucking history that's, that's right know your meme that's right oh it's so funny my question here was is is madonna a bad actress or do you think yes. she was directed this way okay all right good asked and answered all right moving on name name a good madonna performance no, and I, i'm not a madonna fan and again this movie came out when i was doing summer stock uh, theater spoiler there's only three to choose from really well four uh, Desperately Seeking Avita. Susan. Oh, Desperately Seeking Susan. That's her best. That's, that's her best movie. Desperately Seeking Susan. But I think she's elevated by Sarah Jessica. Sarah Jessica Parker. Mm, Am I no. speaking on my ass? Uh, it's Annie Potts. Yes. Annie Potts. Fuck. Uh, Rosanna Arquette. <laughs> so take Annie Potts and Sarah Jessica Parker and mush them together, and you get Rosanna, Rosanna Arquette. Arquette. <laughs> 
<laughs> so desperately seeking Susan, this, Evita, and swept away. Swept away. Oh. I forgot about that. Forgot about that. Oh, man. God. They should have taken everyone's cards away from making that movie. I, I'm not a fan of her music either. Like, I acknowledge nope. what she has done for pop music, but I've, I've never been a fan of Madonna in any context. So Yeah, like a perfect example. I'm going to start putting it underneath us right now. When Madonna is singing Sooner or Later. Sure. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, can we hang on? Can we just put on Ruthie Henschel singing sooner or later? Because it is a uh, Ruthie Henschel, you may know from if you've ever seen the 10th anniversary concert of Les Mis. I, it, I'm sure will surprise you to know that I have not. Oh, it was kind of a cultural thing. I, I figured you, you might have uh, seen that being in a household with a uh, musical theater nerd. Uh, Joey was not. Joey was too young oh, when Les Mis I, was like the, the pop culture phenomenon that it was. He was too young for that. That was actually mm. like the, around when I was doing community theater and summer stock and stuff. Um, and he was too young. Yeah, I know. But she's the Fontaine in that. And then she is also a, in putting it together. She plays opposite John Barrowman from Arrow. Oh, the... Uh, the uh, Tommy's fa- father. Oh, right, right, right. I, I was like, yep. Uh, Carol Burnett, George Hearn, and Bronson Pinchot. And this is a musical that I saw with that cast on Broadway. Really? And they sing Being Alive from Company, but it's all five of them, and they're doing this beautiful harmony, and they're in these very specific positions. And Miss Ruthie Henshaw, I somehow, we got free tickets through the scam of a uh, college I went to, and they were box seats, and her direction was to sing directly to the box I was in. Oh, come so pretty on. much Ruthie Henshaw sang that song to me, and I was like, I, f- I fucking love you so much. <laughs> She's so uh, good. Oh, I've She's, seen her, in, I've definitely seen her in stuff. She's so good. Curb Your Enthusiasm. She's not Curb Your Enthusiasm? Uh, one episode, yeah. I mean, she, she looks familiar. I, I'm sure it's from th- theater stuff. Oh, yeah. She's, she's delicious. Okay. <laughs> mm, did you ever see Hamish, the producer? No. I okay. Don't, I don't All right. All right. Moving on. Moving on. Breathless is the only witness, and, and instead of get, providing testimony, she unsuccessfully attempts to seduce Tracy. Uh, Big Boy cannot be indicted, and he's released from jail. Big Boy's next move is to try and bring all the criminals together, and they're sitting at the table, and he says, it's simple. We kill the Batman. Yeah, that's right. Oh, sorry. Wait, that's right. sorry. It's a guy in a different purple coat. I'm terribly uh-huh. sorry. Totally different. Uh, so, uh, including Spud Sp- Sp- Spaldoni. Yeah, sure. The, the wonderfully talented James Kahn. Love James Kahn. S- uh, never given a bad performance. I agree. Uh, Pruneface. Hey, that guy, but only because I recognize his voice. Yeah. Uh, that is R.G. Armstrong. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, what would you know him from? Predator, General Phillips. Children yes. of the Corn. Nope, that's it. That's it? It's, okay. it's Predator. So we've got Pruneface, Influence, no idea, Tr- Taxi Garcia, Ribs Mako, and Numbers. Did you recognize Numbers? Uh, yes. Look? Yeah, I did. Yes. 
the amazing your slacker James, McFly, just like your old man, James Tolkien. Yep. Yeah, he's wonderful. He's so good. Um, this whole movie. Oh, he's also from a movie that we've done on this podcast, uh, Tombstone. That's right. Uh, Masters of the Universe as well. Oh shit! He's been all over this podcast, hasn't he? Yeah. Uh, the only unfortunate thing is that they're all covered in rubber, so it makes it really hard to tell who they are. As we've been doing this whole time. Well, that, that's so, the funny bit where you're like, I know, I know who, I, I I know I know who he is, but I can't quite place it. And um, I don't think he was not. I don't see Tombstone in his IMDb credits. I don't think he was in Tombstone. I think it was. We're remembering him from the other stuff he's done. Uh, maybe I'm remembering from Back to the Future Three that's, and putting him in Tombstone. Yes, that's probably <laughs> yes. That would make that would make perfect sense. Yep. All right. So together, under his leadership, they'll they'll take over. Uh, Spadaldi refuses and is killed with a car bomb. Again, how is this movie just PG? Because I forgot to put it in the notes. But did you watch this in like uh, 1080p? Did you watch this as a uh, Blu-ray? I have this on Blu-ray. No, I I do not have this on Blu-ray. And, uh, it was not a 1080p uh, copy. Well, did you happen to notice when uh, Tracy comes to to Breathless dressing room when she walks out from behind that Venetian blonde or that uh, whatever that's called protector Venetian divider whatever yeah. the nipples you can see nipples. Oh. And then when she walks towards him, like, oh my god, nipples, nipples! How is this? How is this? Nipples are not obscene, Casey. Everybody has nipples. You can uh, you can hardly see them nipples. See, and these guys are really looking. But I was just like, at this, the shootout at the end. I'm like, how the fuck is this movie PG? This should have been PG thirteen. I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't. I, I I think it's. I think it's. Yes. Okay. I hear you. I hear you. All right. All right. Yeah. Let's go with I hear you. Sure. Sure. Uh, so, uh, leaving Dick, Dick Tracy, who's discovered the meeting and was attempting to spy on it, wondering what's going on. So, at the end of the scene, when the two that guy actors that are in the uh, car waiting for Tracy, yep. when Dick Tracy jumps off the yes, building, I have the same note. That poor, his, that poor stunt guy clocked ha-ha. himself. Warren Beatty says it's him. Which would explain how he clocked himself because I was like, oh, that. No, it's a, it's a stunt guy. Warren Beatty's lying. He just never uh, knew that 1080p was going to be coming into our lives. And it's very clear that that is not fucking Warren Beatty. No kidding. Much like in Encounter at Firepoint, the very first episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, <laughs> when Data jumps down in the holodeck to save Wesley, who's fallen in the, in the river. Into the Sarlacc pit? Oh, sorry. No, no, that's you motherfucker. It is a, very clear the person jumping down all those rocks, not Brent Spiner in any way, shape, or form. But again, you know, they're looking at it on a little, like, I don't know, sure. closed uh, a CCTV monitor, and then it's in 480. Like, well, if you're lucky. The the other night, I was looking for something to watch. I, I didn't have the energy to watch something new for the first time because I wasn't sure that I could stay focused on it. I was tired, sure. but I wanted something. Jazz um, gummies and all, yeah. I haven't watched Firefly in a minute, so I put Firefly in, and I always laugh again. Letterbox letter, you know, versus the, widescreen. Letterbox oh, yeah. versus widescreen. The, the shots where the TV, the, <laughs> where the Wash where, is flying, and he's essentially pantomiming because oh, he didn't have a ship. steering wheel. Because yeah. it wasn't there because it was out of it was out of frame. It didn't matter except 
when they released it on Blu-ray, or you mm-hmm. know, they released it that home video, they gave us the widescreen format, and it's just it, I never get tired of laughing at that. That was a ton on Friends because that was you know four by three. Yep. And now uh, they re- they released it on sixteen by nine. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, if you watch it on HBO, it's not four by three; it's sixteen by nine, wow. or on Max or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So you're seeing more than they thought they intended. Multiple times, there are stand-ins in scenes for actors. You're kidding? Yeah, when it's just the coverage for the one actor, like later seasons when they're making a million dollars an episode. Sure. Um, wow. <laughs> but my favorite one of all time. Do you remember when Ross thought the stripper? At his bachelor party, stole his engagement ring. Uh, vaguely. He yells at the stripper because they like trick her to coming to um, Chandler's office, and she, uh-huh. he's like, "My ring, my engagement ring. Where is it? Where'd you do with it?" You see Matt LeBlanc cover his mouth and duck, out, try and duck out of frame, he's laughing and because he's laughing at swimmers. Yeah, <laughs> and it's right there. You can't miss it. Huh. It's so good. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Okay. Um, so, so yes, Warren Beatty lied. Then that poor stuntman really clocks himself. Yeah, look yeah. at that fucking hurt. Yep. Uh, the next day, Big Boy and his henchmen kidnap Tracy and attempt to bribe him. Tracy rebuffs. This is a kind of cool scene. Like, this is the toughest trick Dick Tracy gets in this movie. You gonna put all that money down there? 15,000 claims. Welcome to New Orleans, Dick. We're gonna run one hell of a ship when you aboard. There's a big world out there, and it's up for sale, all of it. All we got to do is make sure that the people know I'm the one big enough to run it. And that you are guilty of attempting to bribe an officer of the law. Hey, hey. so fast, copper. You dumb dick. This scene's fine. I mean. Like where he's like, oh, this money? Oh, huh. Well, that's, that's, um. Proof that you tried to bribe a law a law enforcement yeah, official. That's yeah. a, that's proofing uh, that's bribing a law enforcement. Officer. You're going up for this one, like which that's when Dick Tracy strategy get, <laughs> you're being held it, at gunpoint. <laughs> but Dick Tracy does not die after this scene. So therefore, when he is freed, he should have gone and arrested him, and it would have been Dick Tracy, a top law enforcement officer's testimony against Big Boy. <laughs> like, well, and of course, you know. One of the biggest names in this movie, more, oh, yeah. you know, certainly more in 1990 than now, Dick Van Dyke is in this movie as the DA who is, oh. you know, oh, working right. He's on, oh, Big Boy. that's right. Yeah. I forgot. He's working for Big Boy. So, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Oh, Catherine, yeah, that, Catherine O'Hara is in this too? I missed her. Taxi Garcia. She is the only female at the table when they are. Oh my God. Yes. Oh my God. I totally missed that. Holy shit. Yeah. She's wonderful. Yeah. Tracy rebuffs, prompting the criminals to attempt to kill him by causing the boiler to explode. However, Tracy is saved by the kid who then bestowed by the police with the honorary detective certificate, which will remain temporary until he decides a legitimate name for himself. Again, the parallels back to Batman. Like, so the kid is his ward, <laughs> Proto Robin. <laughs> Again, can we think, can we talk for a second about the sheer recklessness of having a young child involved in law enforcement activities? He's a horrible. It's good to have kids with you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I'm going to be dressed all in dark colors to blend in, but I'm going to put the kid in bright primary 
colors to make sure that he's really visible as a target. Sometimes I wear a giant yellow symbol in the middle of my chest. It makes the criminals want to shoot me there. But Batman, he's in like red and yellow and green. Yeah, that's, right. that's right. That's right. So Breathless shows up at Tracy's apartment once again in an attempt to seduce him. Tracy allows her to kiss him. Yeah, not too bad a kiss for two people who seem to hate each other during the filming of this movie. Yeah, yeah. Tess witnesses this scene and eventually leaves town. Tracy leads a seemingly unsuccessful raid, leads a seemingly unsuccessful raid on Club Ritz, but it is actually a diversion so that Officer Bug Bailey. Oh, Herman from Scrooge. Yes, yes. Oh, every he, time he shows up because of how sad that scene is in Scrooge, I'm like, damn it. Yeah, it, it, I had to look up who he was. And then I was like, well, I feel like I should know who this is. And then when I made that connection, he's younger here. Well, what is Scrooge? No, no. Scrooge is 89, 88 or 89. He looks Scrooge younger. Maybe this. it's because he's like clean shaven and, and well uh, I think they aged him up for, for Scrooge. Scrooge. Okay, that yeah. would make sense. That would make sense. Yeah. God, yeah. He's so, good in, he's so good in Scrooge. Is it Herman? No, Herman. 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 Yeah. yeah come yeah. on, Herman. Let's go. You idiot. You could have come back, but you froze here. <laughs> yeah. That's sad. Uh, so that Bu Officer Bug Bailey can enter the building to operate a secretly installed listening device so the police can listen in on Big Boy's criminal activities. Mm -hmm. The resultant raid. The, the resultant raids all but wipe out Big Boy's criminal empire. However, Big Boy discovers Bug and captures him for a trap planned by influence and pruneflate. Let me try that over again. Holy shit. <clears throat> I'm also reaching the point where I can't really read my computer screen. It's just far enough away without glasses. Oh, oh good times. All right. Um, I just make my font bigger. <laughs> yeah. The resultant raid all but wipes out Big Boy's criminal empire. However, Big Boy discovers Bug and captures him for a trap planned by Influence and Pruneface to kill Tracy in the warehouse. In the resulting gun battle... Okay. <laughs> this is the time where I get frustrated with this movie. Okay. Hit me. He does a great job of the old Batman does it in um, Mask of the Phantasm. Oh, this is me over here. You know, he does the cowl with the thing in Mask of the Phantasm. Yep. Remember that? So he's doing that with his hat and coat. He frees Bug, but for some reason steps in the in the pouring cement so his gun jams. What the actual fuck? <laughs> this makes no sense. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Again, the best part of this movie are not the story. <laughs> <laughs> So, like everything else kind of makes sense in this film. That moment I went, well, that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the resulting gun battle, a stranger with no face called the blank steps out of the shadows to save Tracy after he is cornered and kills Pruneface. Influence escapes as Tracy rescues Bug from the fate that befell Lips Manless. And Big Boy is enraged to hear that the blank foiled the hit. Mm -hmm. Tracy... Tracy again attempts to extract the testimony from Breathless that he needs to put Big Boy away. Yeah. She agrees to testify only if Tracy agrees to give in to her advances. Jeez. Tess eventually has a change of heart, but before she can tell Tracy, she is kidnapped by the blank with the help of Big Boy's, Big Boy's club piano player, 88 Keys. Hi, I'm Manny Patankin. I'm only in this movie because of Stephen Sondheim. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Like he he was inputting uh, putting it together. Jesus, Sunday in the park with George, 
with Sondheim. Sondheim collaborated with him a bunch. And I'm just like, I feel like Stephen was like, yeah, I'll write these songs. Well, Have you, you met Mandy Patinkin? <laughs> well, you know, it's so interesting. I mean, I remember this era when Madonna releases, and again, a year before Prince releases this album, uh, like the Batman music right? soundtrack yeah um which really wasn't the soundtrack because danny elfman scored it right but it was right. like prince's that with, with that dance and all that stuff yeah. trust all the stuff from the movie yeah. yeah um i you know i remember when madonna released the i wonder was it blonde ambition or was or or it must have been the soundtrack for this got released and she mm-hmm. was so prominent in it but when she's singing in this like 30s era you know She's not a she's not a great singer. I mean, I acknowledge her as an artist. She's I don't think she's a great singer. What is it? I think it's in sooner or later. There's a part where it just closes in on her, and it is quite quite literally the worst she sounds in the entire movie. That's the take you used, and B, that's the moment you clo- you chose to close in on her completely, like. I, oh my God! She can't hit that note. Yeah, I, I remember that moment, which is, which tells you how bad it is. If I remember that moment, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the non-musical theater nerd of the group. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Tracy is drugged and rendered unconscious by the blank. Then, so Fra- the blank. I'm sorry. Yeah. Can we talk about the blank for sure. a second? Sure. Sure. Can we get some fan movie with the blank, the question, and Rorschach <laughs> all together? It's the th- it's the three Spider Man meme where they're all pointing at each other. Sure. Well, I mean, yes, because Rorschach is just the question. Just Alan Moore couldn't use the fucking question, right? Just like uh, the Night Owl is Blue Beetle. So, yeah, you know, it's so interesting. I was uh, I was talking to Carissa or maybe Joel when we were picking up, picking out the beer for this. Again, this movie belongs in the helmet. You don't get the rich you know, rogues gallery from Batman or Spider-Man without Dick Tracy, like all of these mobsters, right? Not like, even mobsters, like very, like prune face, little face. Yeah. That, but I mean, home, like, yeah. But I mean, like, again, superheroes and supervillains aren't really a thing yet. This is, this is the an iteration that people understand. Oh, a villain, a, a gangster is a bad guy. And we're going to make these ridiculous cartoonish, you know, grotesque, um, almost caricatures of a bad guy and 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 those will be the villains sure you don't get them with batman and spider-man unless you do this yeah absolutely um uh so tracy is framed for murdering the corrupt district attorney john fletcher whereupon he is detained by the police the kid meanwhile adopts the name dick tracy jr so he's a you, little dick it's <laughs> Jesus. Do you think the scene where uh 88 Keys is yelling out all the, you know, you're you can't blackmail me? Do you think Warren Beatty went, do you remember in The Princess Bride when you're trying to knock down the door and you're <laughs> yelling for Fezig? Yeah. I want that level. Because like Manny Batankin weirdly has this beautiful falsetto voice. But then all of a sudden when he needs to scream, it it's some powerful shit. <laughs> yeah, he, he can hit the back seats, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you've never heard Manny Patinkin sing "And the Money Kept Rolling In" from, I have never uh, heard him from, sing. Oh, uh, uh, from Avita, do yourself the favor and listen to it. It is peak Patinkin. Is Antonio Banderas a good singer? 
Yes. Is he? Is he oh, yeah. Oh, I, I, I didn't know I, that. I, he's a server. He's serviceable. He's not doing a lot of the stuff that Patankin is doing. Yeah, no. I mean, he was in that. He was. He was. Ty- he was supposed to be the Phantom of the Opera. Antonio in Banderas. Yeah. No um, kidding. Um, he was in. In fact, he sang uh, Phantom of the Opera for one of Andrew Lloyd Webber's birthday celebrations. Huh. He was in Nine on Broadway. He was just in uh, my buddy Bill went down to Argentina. I might be wrong on that. Someplace. And Antonio Banderas played Bobby in company in his native language. And apparently it was wonderful. And considering that Bobby is supposed to be 30 and Antonio Banderas is almost pushing 60, that's (laughs) impressive, man. Yeah. Huh. Good for I raised my glass to you, sir. Uh, I smiled when he showed up in um, Dial of Destiny. I was like, "Hey, Antonio Banderas, his buddy that has the boat." Fuck, I forgot. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, you don't have time to get into why Dial of Destiny was the yeah. second worst Indiana Jones movie. Moving on. You're not wrong there. Yep. Okay, so Big Boy's business thrives until blanks fr- until the blank frames him for Tessa's kidnapping. Oh my god! <laughs> when when he comes in and sees Tessa, like, oh no, it's a federal offense! Ah, oh, and then again, pointless ADR when um, Dick Tracy Batman's into the scene, pretty yeah, much. Right? He's like, "That's a federal offense. You're going yeah. to jail." I'm like, "Yeah, we already heard this dialogue once. We don't need to hear it again. We got it the first time." It's actually funnier if he's the only one who says it because he's suddenly like, "It's you know tax evasion type stuff." He's like, "Well, like the Joker on Batman the Enemy Series, like I'll fight Batman, <laughs> but the IRS, <laughs> no, thank you." <laughs> That's right. Released by his colleagues on New Year's Eve, Tracy interrogates Mumbles. This is another core memory scene for me, where he's got the polar bear drinky thing, and he slows down the tape, so it yep. says... You don't want to tell me who set me up, huh? You want Big Boy to hear that? What do you think, Mumbles? And then he's like, oh, wait. all right, I'll talk. Wait, and like, wait, wait, wait. it's, oh, it's oh, so wait. good. It's so good. That's a, that's one of the few great moments of the movie, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Tracy arrives at a gun battle outside the Club Ritz, where Big Boy's men are killed violently for a PG movie. Like, Dear but we don't baby. see like, but we don't see like blood. We don't see like squibs like with blood splatter. Sure, but we know all those people die. And also, yeah, dear but- Warren Beatty, you're not remaking Bonnie and Clyde. The amount of bullets <laughs> that hit Flat Top is up there. If that ends, I mean, it's not. It's Sam Peckinpah did yeah. Bonnie and Clyde, right? Uh, I think so. I want to say that's that. I'm right on that. Uh, Sam Peckinpah. I know he did. Uh, Wild Bunch, Straw Dogs. Oh, Arthur Penn. Terribly sorry, Arthur Penn. Oh, all right, there you go. But you, I'm, I'm sure you've fucking seen. I've seen, I've seen that scene. I know what you're talking about. Yes. I mean, not as many script, not as many scripts as James Conn got. 
in The Godfather, which he said was incredibly painful, but he just like took it because he did not want to ruin the take and have to do it again. Oh, my God. Do you know who was also in Bonnie and Clyde? Who's that? Michael J. Pollard. Bug. Oh, is he really? Well, again. That's that's probably why he's in this. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, listen, Warren Beatty, you know, Warren Beatty was able to call uh, the talent in this movie. This Mm -hmm. movie should be fucking amazing. It's not. It should be. It's not. (laughs) It's not. Okay. It's not amazing, but okay. But there's another big moment in this movie that that drives me nuts coming up here. Okay. Big Boy's men are are killed and captured by Tracy and the police. Abandoning his crew, Big Boy flees to a drawbridge and ties Tess to its gears before confronting Tracy. And then Tess falls down the thing and Tracy tries to save him with... Oh, wait, no, that's... Yeah. Let's see, Macy's Spider-Man 2. Yeah, yeah, but snaps her neck. Yep, got it. No, oh, boy. No, doesn't snap her neck. In Amazing Spider-Man 2, her head hits the ground. Oh, oh, I they, they was take. A... Oh, were you traumatized by Gwen Stacy's death in the comics? Let's traumatize Let's you some more. Let's make it worse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, Although I will fight... say, <clears throat> that moment makes, and I'm sure you're going to bleep this. Careful. That's a spoiler. I won't bleep it. I'm just going to fucking cut it. Okay. <laughs> but fine. yes, I, I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Their fight is halted when the blank appears and both men are at gunpoint, offering to share the city with Tracy after Big Boy's dead. When in the history of cinema has this trope ever worked? Sure. Seriously. Can anyone, dear TSPSC Army, if you can think of a movie where the villain convinces the hero to join him when it's, you know, um, this kind Oz- of situation. Ozymandias at the end of Watchmen. He does not convince anyone to help him. Uh, he convinces, um, what's his name, Blue Giant Dong, uh, to do nothing. Uh, it's not joining crude him. Up. Are you speaking of... Um, um, what the fuck is his character's Dr. name? Manhattan. Dr. Manhattan. Why yes. couldn't we think of that? That was bad. I don't know. That Ooh. was bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When he convinces Dr. Manhattan that like, look, this, you know, this is the best course. There's no point in revealing this. Yeah. And then he gets Dr. Manhattan to destroy. But is Dr. Manhattan Rorschach. ever really the true hero of that story? No, no, no you're right. It is. No, it is night owl. He's not the hero and, in any way. He's amoral. And yeah. Rorschach. They are the, you know, they are the, Air quotes around Rorschach. They're the heroes of that story. And they unwaveringly say no to the point where it costs Rorschach his life. Sure. All right. So I don't, I can't think of another one. If someone can think of one, Groovy, let us know. Okay. <laughs> sure. When Junior arrives, Junior. <laughs> In Greek. <laughs> Big Boy takes advantage of the distraction and opens fire on before Tracy sends him falling to his death in the gear bridges. My good lord in heaven, the fucking dummy <laughs> that goes over the rail yeah. that you can see hit the slide to catch it to get it to the Teamsters. Like it's on par with the clip that oh, Paul I... Rudd plays when he goes on Conan from Mac and Me. <laughs> When the kid goes over the the side of the cliff, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. When uh, when Junior rescues, uh, Tess. I'm sorry. Quick aside, did you? Oh. I didn't listen to the whole episode, but I saw the clip on YouTube. Did you see when Paul Rudd came on Conan's podcast and he and he did it there he too? Yes. Audio clip and Conan goes, "This is an audio medium." Like he starts like incredulous. It's 
Yeah, fucking brilliant. I love Paul Rudd. Oh, yeah. Who doesn't love Paul Rudd? Oh, I know who. My daughter. (laughs) She does not like him at all. It's just crazy. Okay. So when Junior rescues Tess, mortally wounded, the blank is unmasked to reveal (gasps) Breathless Mahoney. Fun fact, this reveal was ruined by the fucking toy. Was it really? The toy was the question, or the, the question, the, question. Yep. the blank, and on the back, it showed that you could take the blank's face off and reveal bre- oh breathless. God, Dear toy manufacturers, stop doing this. <laughs> uh, well, how many times have we gotten spoilers for MCU movies because of the Lego set? Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. Sure. Like, <sighs> I mean, the, the good. I, if the only good news I'll say is I can't think of one of those that has been a significant. Like sub substantive spoiler. Usually it's like, oh, this is a character who's not really important, but is in it, and you didn't know that, but now you know. Like it's character reveals more than sure, like plot. Sure. So uh Breathless Mahoney kisses Tracy before dying. Oh, the spit that's connected to their lips after they <laughs> kiss. Oh. Oh, it's up there with the it, it may win. Grossest oh. kiss. Congratulations. Oh, no. I don't know what took uh, Batman and uh, Kitka's from 66. There was something there in the middle, but nope, this is now the grossest kiss we've done in this podcast. Uh, okay. God damn it, it's so That's gross. Fair. So all tra- charges against Tracy are dropped. Later, Tracy proposes to Tess. Does he, though? Eh, listen, that's what she's going to get. It's the Princess Bride theory. No one actually says, will you marry me? <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. But... Tracy is interrupted by the report of a robbery in progress. He leaves her with the ah. ring before he and Dick Tracy Jr. depart to respond to the robbery. And as they drive away, we get a sweeping shot of not Chicago. Right. The, the not L train goes by. Swell of music and movie. movie. Once upon a time, I had plenty of nothing, which was fine with me. Oh, Todd. Todd, 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 Todd. Yeah. Movie. That was a movie. I'm glad it's done. I gotta be honest with you. I, the, when I, yeah. Yep. It was a movie. We no, watched it. No, no. Totally did it. Totally did it. Yep. We did it. Oh, all we right. So, Todd, yeah. we have some questions as we, we do. always do. Todd, who was your favorite character? Uh, Mumbles. Mumbles for the first of all, I love that Dustin Hoffman is he's saying stuff um, as Mumbles, but then the Kaiser Soze moment when he starts talking normally, yeah, that's my favorite. Yeah, and that's my favorite moment as well. Yeah, poor Dustin Hoffman. It seems like um, when he drops that just the one dollar bill when all the raids are happening. Yeah, he drops it on the table, and then Al Pacino, Al Pacino, not Big Boy. Al Pacino starts knocking him around. I'm like, that is Al Pacino smacking the shit out of his friend Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that that's is captured right. forever on film. But I think that's got to be those. But they are friends, right? And that's got to be like, yeah. I mean, the, I guess that's got to be part of the fun of going and doing a movie like this with your friends. Mm-hmm. Although I read that um, Big Boys, uh, Al Pacino kind of had the idea for Big Boys look, which departed from his design in the comic strips where I think he was bigger and fatter, but it still took like, it was like a two and a half or three and a half hour process to put the the makeup on. Which is unfortunate because all the 
makeup lines here on the lips where the lips meet yeah. could be seen in, yeah, yeah, yeah. in 1080p. I was like, oh, that sucks. Yep. Yep. But still want an Oscar. Still want it's an good, Oscar. No, it's good makeup. It, yeah. Don't get me wrong. It all looks really cool and it all fits in the universe of Dick Tracy. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, there's a couple of the, probably because like, ah, it's never going to be, you know, no one's going to notice. Right. <laughs> Spoiler alert. May introduce you to 1080p. That's right. Hey, Casey, what is the best scene in the movie? Oh, I'm well, sorry. First, did, you, did, probably you say, say, did you say I who did your not. favorite character? Okay, no, I didn't. Um, yeah. Mine is, I'm going to give it to good old John Sheck. Okay, sure. Yeah. Painless pull. I'll take it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. What is the best scene in the movie? The big boy interior, uh, the uh the mumbles in second interrogation. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> with the with the like you said, the Kaiser Sose reveal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I agree. Yeah. What about that's that's yours? Okay. Yep. What's one scene you would cut? Uh, the movie, I gotta be honest with you, the movie, dra- in my opinion, the movie drags. It, it does. There there are some pacing issues. I will totally give you that. Yeah, it's, again, the problem is I don't care about the movie enough to have any moment where I'm like, oh yeah, if you got rid of that, it would be a better movie. It's, I don't I don't even know where to begin. So I, I don't have an answer, which is not to mean there's nothing to cut. I don't know where to start. Okay. How about you? Uh, all of Breathless Mahoney's. <laughs> <laughs> all of them. Every every last one of them. Madonna. Stick to uh, being stick a to music. Yeah. 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 Well, even be careful with that, right? Again, not a great singer. Not a great singer. Nope. Nope. Pop icon, hundred percent. Um, part of a new era of music, hundred percent. Great singer, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And then, Casey, finally, who is the actor having the most fun? That's a tough one. There's a lot of, like I've been saying the whole time, arch acting in this movie. But I think it is Mr. Hoo-ha himself. I think it is, too. Again, discounting what that makeup process must have been. But, I mean, he certainly looks like he's having a blast. Yeah, he seemed to have a little too much fun slapping Madonna. (laughs) I was like, oh, (laughs) hey, Al, we don't do that. Yeah. Uh, ev- no, it's ever. okay. Uh, Sean Connery told him it's okay if you use an open hand. It's if okay. you use an open hand, it's all right. That's right. It's a closed <laughs> fist you don't want to do. That's right. By uh, the way, uh, Highlander, we are in the year that Highlander takes place, so start dressing like... Uh... <laughs> oh, no, Highlander 2. Excuse Highlander me. Highlander 2. Yes, exactly. Yeah, please. The quickening. The quickening? The quickening, the quickening yeah. yes. Uh, all right. So, Casey, I don't know if you remember from last time, the IMDb score for this movie was a... Six something, six point two. Yeah, it's a, it's like a seven. It's oh. a seven. It's fine. It's, it's a C movie. Oh, it's, it's like a five for me. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then even that, I'm trying to, trying not to be a dick about it, but yeah, did not enjoy. Would not watch again. This All is right. the second time I've seen it. There will not be a third time. Until we do the rewatch of our podcast. Oh, fuck that. Yeah, a, re- a companion podcast to the podcast. That's right. <laughs> well, before That's we right. can do that, you know what time it is. It's time for you to pull us a great movie, my friend. All right. I have in front of me Thor's oh, helmet. Okay. Yep. I'm reaching in, pulling one singular sensation. sensation. 
Fuck me. Oh no, come on. <laughs> come on. What is it? Well, because of Kevin Feige, technically this is a quote-unquote MCU movie. X-Men? Nope. <laughs> Kevin Feige. Oh, wait. So that means it's got to be Feige was part of... Oh, is that a Blade? No. What nope. was he? All of the... Well, I mean, Blade, X-Men, all yeah. of those... All the previous Marvel iterations, Kevin Feige just came out and said, yeah, they're all part of the multiverse. I'm like, all right, Kevin, sit the fuck down. What have we not watched? Marvel, not well, there. don't make him angry. Oh, you, no. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yep. Oh, shit. Ogly's Hulk. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> I oh, hate this, this movie so goddamn much. Fuck, I'm so sorry. This is a tough. How oh, is it? This, this, this again is like someone not understanding how to make a comic book movie. Oh fuck. Well, okay, let's uh, watch, watch trailer, that trailer. Chris, what happened to you last night? I had the most vivid dream. It was like being born, coming up for air, the light hitting my face, screaming. My heartbeat. Boom. Boom. Betty, what's happening to me? I don't know. I don't understand this. You were exposed to a dose of gamma radiation that should be lethal. But you seem just fine. Maybe there's something different in you. How little you understand, Miss Ross. My son is unique. And because he is unique, the world will not tolerate his existence. The rage is triggering the transformations. Sounds a little far-fetched. I think we passed far-fetched a long time ago. We're dealing with a monster. He's a human being. I will isolate it and treat myself, and I'll kill it before it does any real harm. But would you really destroy part of yourself? I don't think so. Ah! You found me. You know what scares me the most? When I can't fight it anymore. When I totally lose control. I like it. We're gonna have to watch that temper of yours. Alright, positives. <sighs> okay, go ahead. We get Jennifer Connelly. Uh, I don't need this movie to no, see no, no, Jennifer Todd, Connelly. Todd, Todd. <laughs> I don't need this movie we to see Jennifer Connelly. We get Jennifer Connelly. Take oh, the fucking win. Fuck. Okay. Do you want to guess? Oh, Sam. I forgot. I forgot Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. Yeah. Sam Elliott is Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to catch the Hulk. <laughs> Do you want to guess at the IMDb rating for the 2003 Ang Hulk? Somewhere in the fives. Yeah, five point six. And I think, I think that's I think that's probably right where it needs to be. Yeah. <sighs> this okay. is the only time we will get the iteration where the Hulk gets bigger, the stronger. Uh, 
yeah, the bigger, the angrier he gets. Yeah. Which yeah. sometimes is canon, sometimes is not. Sure. Um, and is not enough to save this movie. So No, I mean, that's just, that's an interesting part of it. We get um, return actor um, Josh Dallas. Is that his name? Oh, I just saw him. The original uh, Fandrel? Oh, is that? Oh, that's who he was. Um, yeah. Josh Lucas. Lucas. He plays Talbot. Yeah. Who oh, I yeah. always get him confused with the guy from Ford versus Ferrari. That, um, have you seen Ford versus Ferrari, right? Yeah, great movie. <laughs> the scene where they're un- unveiling the jo- Shelby for the first time. That, that is Josh Lucas. <laughs> It is. He's in both. Yeah. Yeah. So, so your confusion is well understood. Oh, yeah. he's so swarmy in in um, Ford in fuck, Ferrari. It, yeah. Oh God, he's so punchable in that movie when he yeah. turns to the kid and he's like, uh, or to um, Christian Bale, and he's like, you know, I'm I'm uh whatever he was, I'm the CEO, and and I'm in I'm responsible for the release of the Shelby. Well. At least we know who's responsible for this. Yeah. <laughs> you like, oh, you turned that word around on him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I forgot he plays. He also plays the young John Dutton, Kevin Car- uh, Costner's character in Yellowstone in the flashbacks. Yeah, I forgot. Does he that. really? Yeah, yeah. He's really good at it. He's really <clears throat> good at it. Yeah. But he right. He was the original fan draw, right? I'm not. Uh, let's see. Um, in th- in the first uh, Thor actually, movie, I. Now that you say that, he was not. He was not. Who's the, okay? Well, then I'm confusing that actor with Josh Lucas. <laughs> okay. So let's and hold for one. Now I'm going to look at this guy. I'm like, how the fuck did I confuse these two people? They don't look anything alike. Josh you, Dallas. Josh Dallas. I think who you did looks, say. I think who you looks, said Dallas at first. Who looks like that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they totally are. Are I mean, uh, white guys? <laughs> You the did it, end? Casey. Good job. <laughs> That's about as far as, and they're both named Josh. Yep. God Good job, it. buddy. Yeah, he's actually. I, I, if I remember correctly, he's really good in Hulk. Uh, I don't remember like, him. He's better than this. Like that's going to be the frustrating part. I think when we when we do Hulk. Yeah. The performances, if I remember correctly, are actually pretty good. I actually like Eric Bana's. Uh, well, I love Eric Bana. Bana Bana, he's uh, Australian, so it may be Bana. Yeah, uh, um, but anyway, I like him a lot, and I think I think he was a good Hulk or a good Bruce Banner. Yep. Well, I guess we'll. Uh, I guess our listeners will have to join us in two weeks to yeah. uh, hear us break it down, right? Yeah. Um, uh, so we already talked about uh, where they can find us. So the last thing you got to say is. Music for our podcast comes to us from two places. Our theme song is Take a Chance by Kevin McLeod. You can find his music at incompetech.com. Our beer music is Feather Duster by Shane Ivers. Find his music at silvermansound.com. So that'll do it for the Superpod Hero Cast for this week. For Todd Panic, I'm Casey Ryan. For Casey Ryan, I'm Todd Panic. Be, Be heroic. heroic. Oh, boy. Oh, all right. Oh. Fucking Hulk. Well, we did it. (coughs) Holy cow, your sneezes also sound like you're throwing up. (laughs) Commander, where are we? We seem to be stuck in an alternate dimension. 
And you're no longer a captain, you're a commander. Commander. Dear God, are you a lieutenant? And why are you talking like that? Oh no, I don't I don't know why I'm talking like that. But no, I seem uh, to have no rank. Only the title of Doctor? I don't think there are admirals either. Captain, I mean Commander, I mean Look, Casey, we are getting a message. It seems we have been tasked with reviewing a historical document entitled Galaxy Quest? Then there's no moment to spare. Engage! I, I, I don't think um, Night Shift Radio Legal has cleared usage of engage, so you might want to just oh. dial that back there. So. All right. Well, then, I guess it's up to us to say, join us over on the Where No Mom Has Gone Before podcast as we review 1999's Galaxy Quest. Never give up. Never surrender. Mom? Mom?